morning and welcome to our English service. I am Pastor Nathan and I'm privileged to deliver the word of the Lord for you today. Today we'll be continuing our series on fatherhood. It's entitled Intimacy with the Father. And last week, Reverend Genesis started us off reminding us that fathers are ambassadors, representatives of God to their children. Fathers are called to call their children to reconcile themselves before God. Through the father's leadership, through the father's fatherhood, they are reconciling God to their children and their children to God. But also, one of the things that captured my thoughts from Reverend Genesis' sermon was this slide, this quote. It says, if it were classified as a disease, fatherlessness would be an epidemic worthy of attention as a national emergency. Fatherlessness. This quote was proposing that fatherlessness is a current problem. It's not a potential problem. It's not a previous problem. It's a problem right now. And so fathers here, families here, you might be saying as you read this quote, well, I'm so blessed my father's still with me. I'm so blessed my father hasn't left us. I'm so blessed my father comes home to us every night despite of him being so busy and whatnot. I'm very blessed. Or maybe as a father, you're telling that to yourself. Yes, these are blessings. In fact, to have your father with you is not something that everyone has. But also, that's not the entire story. If we are called to be ambassadors for Christ, we are no longer just called to be physically present. The physical presence of a father is no longer the only calling, but it's only part of the entire calling. So going back to 2 Corinthians, it reminds us that Christ died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Christ, for him. So that's why we are ambassadors for Christ. As God is making his appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You see, one of the most common misconceptions about Christianity is that Christ saved us so that we can live presently, physically, so that we're not dropping dead because of one's sin. But that's not enough. It doesn't give justice to what Christ has done. You see, Christ's death doesn't just save us from physical death. It makes us alive spiritually as well. Let me say that again. He doesn't just save us from physical death. He makes us alive spiritually as well. It means our presence, our lives must no longer exist in a physical standpoint, but also they must start to have life in the spiritual realm. It must give birth to spiritual significances. And so, fathers who belong to Christ, your calling is now beyond physical presence to your children. Your calling is now Christ-like presence to your children. 
you are called to be physically there, not a period, but comma, so that you represent Christ to your children. So if we were to put it in a table form, I would propose that it looks like this. Christians will ask, whose am I? We say, I'm a Christian, I belong to Christ. And then you ask, then what should I do? What's my mission? What am I about? The answer should be to represent Christ and serve his purposes. And then the last one in asterisk is the form. Because the form changes depending on where or who God has assigned to you. And for this series, for the sake of this series, the form is fatherhood. I am a person who belongs to Christ and called to represent Christ and serve his purposes. Where? In the family. To who? To my children. That is the form of our Christian ambassadoring. Okay? And then, so I just want this to be super, super clear. Just do it again. This verse is to be classified in this way. So then Christians are ambassadors for Christ as God is making his appeal through their fatherhood. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Christians are ambassadors for Christ. Fathers who are Christians are representing Christ through their fatherhood. You cannot just say, I am a, I'm a father and I so happen to be a Christian. There is one and only the same thing in your existence. It's not two separate spheres. Wherein sometimes you're the spiritual leader and sometimes you're a father. It says all Christian fathers must have a spiritual significance to their roles. And so hopefully that's changing the way we see and interpret the word that we hear from this series. You see, in sports, there is such a saying that says, if you can't perform, japorm. Okay? Since we're in the English service, it means if you can't play the part, then at least look like it. And so this series is a hope, a prayer to God, that hopefully we're not just becoming more fatherly looking. Your tummies are not just big like a dad. You don't have a belt cell phone thing here like a dad. You don't wear sketchers to work. But you do all those things and still represent God as you look like a dad. And for those who look like dads and you're not dads, that's a different series. And so a father with authority. We will discuss this in three ways. Three S's. How a father submits to authority, how a father stewards authority, how a father submits or surrenders to authority. We're representing how Christ related to God. We're representing how Christ led his people. We're representing how Christ put confidence in God's plans. Let's look at this one by one. First is submission. Submission says representing how Christ related to God. So let's look at Christ in John 8. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. 
So Jesus was showing us in this really short verse, he understood who he was. He submitted his existence, his authority, his presence to being sent from someone else, called by someone else to be here where he was, not of his own authority, but the one who sent him. Jesus understood that he was under a higher authority when he was representing God to the world here in John chapter 8. So that frames how fathers should see ourselves. We should pattern it in the way that Jesus understood he was sent from God to man to represent God, to accomplish God's plans. This is another form of our identity, function, and form. But Jesus is showing us this. His identity that he was a man sent from God to represent God, to accomplish God's plans. He was God in human form to do all these things. God, God, God. From God, by God, to God. And this trickles down to Paul's commandments to us in Romans 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Unfortunately, I've heard this verse being used by fathers in our generation, not to tell themselves to submit to authority, but to actually use this verse to correct their misbehaving children. Is it wrong? No, this is God's word. But you know what's lacking? If Jesus saw himself as submissive to God's authority, and then fathers see themselves as the authority that children should submit to, there is a gap. There is a gap between the father's submission to Jesus. And yet you're using the word of Jesus, the words of God, to slam and spite your children. What am I saying? If fathers do not understand that they are first and foremost under the authority of God, then you will tend naturally to even use God as a spanking tool to put your children under your own authority. So it's like you're taking the Bible and you're slapping at your kid's face. Mm, ito sabi ni God. Mm, sumunod ka sa akin. Mm. But this was never meant to be used like that. This was meant to subdue you first and your father's heart. And as you put yourselves under the authority of God, then you will know how to use this word because it has done its work in you. It's not a book to be slapped. It's a book to be lived. And as you live it out, your children learn it. And so there's wisdom in the quote of John Maxwell, a leadership expert. He says, you can teach your kids what you know, but you reproduce what you are. This is full and packed with wisdom. You see, all fathers desire to have children who are submissive, right? They're so stubborn. I wish they could listen to my word more. I wish they could submit to their mother more. Why do they have to be so hard-headed? 
And yet, may I push this reality further? Because first and foremost, fathers must represent submission to their kids, for the kids to be reproductions of submissive beings. So, fathers must represent Christ's submission to their children. This is the first step to reproducing submissive children. What do I mean? What am I saying? What are you saying, Pastor Nate? Let me see if you agree with me in the following slide. This is how children nowadays act. Of course, there are exemptions, no? Thank God for the children who are better than this. But think of how children use their words. Very rarely, they only say something when something is wrong or something is needed. Papa, kailangan ko ng pera, may project. How about their emotions? You don't feel it. You don't see it unless it's too big to handle already. They're already in tantrums or they're having panic attacks or anxiety attacks. Rarely. How about their problems? How do they handle it? They probably bottle them up until it's no longer handleable and they need the father's help. How about their school and stress in work? Probably most often they're overwhelmed and then they come home stressed and very easy to snap. How about their spiritual stuff? Probably confined to Sundays and empty routines. How about their friends and relationships? Probably not much. Of course, they're already overwhelmed with work and school, so they spend time only with those they like once a week. Etong favorite people ko lang. This is who our children are, right? And we complain about this to our friends, to our fellow parents. Ah, my child, cha-cha-cha-cha-cha, he's like this, da-da-da-da-da. Let me push it a bit further and show you what fathers do on this next slide. Oh, wait a minute. Backslide. Oh, wait. Wait a minute. Do you agree with me? It's kind of hard to accept, right? How about the children here? Do you agree with me that this is how your father also acts? Father's words are so rare. They only speak to you when your grade is 98 instead of 99. They only talk to you when something is wrong with what they're doing. They don't talk to you when something is going well. How about their emotions? Do they express joy and glad? Grabe, ang seho kanina. Or, na-feel mo na ang emotions ni Papa pag stress na siya. How about their problems? How do you, how do your father handle his problems? Bottle them up. He's like, in the dinner table, he's like, oh, dad's stressed today. Just don't, wag mong guluhin si Papa. Stress siya, stress. Dinner table, tahimik. Don't be noisy, Papa's tired. Spiritual stuff. When do you see him relating to God? Probably rarely. On Sundays, he's serving, busy, ministry. But on weekdays, how about his friends? Does he go out with friends? Does he have healthy relationships? And so, John Maxwell's quote suddenly hits reality. And you realize the very things you're complaining about in your children is the very life you're living. Uh-oh. What does this mean? 
This means there's hope because 2 Corinthians says, if I truly belong to God and understand that I represent him and serve his purposes, I can renew my mind and be transformed. So if I belong to Christ, how must I handle my words? How must I submit to his authority with regards to my emotions, my problems, my work problems, my spiritual stuff, my friends and my relationships? So now, you're no longer thinking about how to help child one, child two, child three. You're zoning in into a single application point, which is how must I submit myself under God's authority in the way I live because this is the simplest step to reproducing child one, child two, child three as submissive triplets to God. So you're so busy, child one needs this, child two, child three needs this, but actually you can cause a domino effect if you learn to represent Christ's submission in your own personal life first and foremost. Okay, gising pa ba? Hard hitting tayo, no? Umaga pa lang. So double down. Fathers must represent Christ's submission to their children. You must be first to submit to Christ. And then, and then, only then, will you have enough to reproduce submissive children. Okay? I pray that the Lord is speaking to you through his word. You see, one of the first fathers that I consider in seminary 2019, was my discipleship group leader. He was a spiritual father to me, and I was expecting, it was my first year in seminary, that I would be meeting a discipler who was so holy it could not be touched. Parang siguro mapapaso ako if I touch his life. It's like so godly. But you know, in one of our first few sessions, immediately one of the things that he came in with, he was so distraught, he walked into the room, he was so silent for some reason. So lahat kami, mga students, niyatansya siya. Then he suddenly said, Brothers, pray for me. I just came from a fight with my wife. Just at the other door. He scrapped the whole program for that day. He just submitted himself to us. That he needed help for his marital problems. He needed prayers. He needed spiritual power that he does not have right now. What effect did that have on me? Maybe it's blowing your mind. You're thinking, what? You're, you're called to be the leader. You're called to be the pastor of these future pastors. Why should you confess that you're having marital problems? You know what effect that had on me? I realized that this person was not living under his own highfalutin holiness. He was living under a holiness that he understood he did not possess and is only cultivated through the presence of God dwelling among his people. So I saw a leader who was submissive to the power of God from others. He needed help. He lived in community. He depended on spiritual power 
from the church, the people of God. So that forever changed my view of him. I suddenly had more respect for him. I suddenly saw him as one who should be followed because he is following a higher authority than himself. He is submitting his problems, his marriage, his own struggles, not at the side, but he's bringing it to us as if he's just one of us and God is above all of us. So we need those kinds of fathers. It's forever changed me. So I pray that we learn submission first and foremost. Next S, stewardship, representing how Christ led his people. You see, in Psalm 23, we see a picture of God's leadership in the way David describes God and the way God shepherds him as his sheep. Verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And David gives us the explanation. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. As a son of the heavenly father, as a sheep of the shepherd, the sheep can afford not to fear. And why? Because of these three things. You, you are with me, your rod and your staff. They are David's comfort. Follow me on this. See, this is a picture of a rod and a staff, an illustration I got from Google. It says, shepherds use a heavy club called a rod to defend the sheep. And then the shepherd uses a staff, a long stick, to show love for his sheep. He rubs it against their back, pulls a sly, a shy, a sly lamb closer. The rod and staff make the sheep feel safe. Two tools. One to defend and one to direct. Protection and direction, para rhyming. Okay? So, this is first how we frame it. Fathers must represent God's presence, protection, and direction to their children. Do your sheep feel protected or directed under your care? Or they do, just, do they just feel that you are physically present? This quote is particularly helpful from Ted Tripp. He says, God has called you, fathers, to a more profound task than being only a care provider. You shepherd your child in God's behalf. And if you are going to shepherd your children, you must understand what makes your children tick. If you're going to direct them in the ways of the Lord, you must know them and their inclinations. This would require more than simply providing food, clothing, and shelter. Stewarding God's authority as of other includes that we do not just provide food, clothing, and shelter. That is not fatherly leadership. Or it's not only that. It includes protection and direction. Might I help you understand protection and direction in this way? This is partly because of the psalm. Protection is doing for them what they cannot do for themselves. Direction means leading and helping them to be, to do, to go what they would not by themselves. I'll use a story to explain this. When I was in high school, I was in the varsity team. In one of the games in the leagues, there was this giant player from Hope Christian High School, never forget, because he was recruited and he looked like he was 32, but I think they 
faked his birth certificate or something. He was too big. I was a little skinny kid. And I was defending him, and then he suddenly gave me a punch. He was holding the ball, and he punched me in the head. It's a giant birdie. Boom. And then my dad was in the stands. When I, when, I, when I got punched, I felt like this 32-year-old's bullying me. I felt like a little child, like I want to cry. And then when I looked into the stands, you know what I saw from my dad? He was, there was a rail before the bench, and he was st- like almost trying to get over the rails. His veins were coming out, and he was shouting at the commissioner and the officials to reprimand the puncher, the other player. I'll never forget that. I looked towards my right. That was the image that I saw. My dad was screaming. Oh, I think he was asking them to kick, the, kick him out or eject him from the game or something like that. But the image stuck with me. Why did it stick with me? It's because I saw an image of a father who would protect his children. Not because pogi ako, nasayang yung mukha ko. Pero beyond that, I was his child. That's the instinct of a protective father. And that image stuck with me, not during that point, basically God protect ako. It didn't click because I was a 15, 14-year-old. It didn't click. But every time I read Psalms of protection, you are my rock, you are my shield, you are my fortress, that picture of my dad is like, dum, dum, dum. it's a physical manifestation. It's a physical ambassadorship. It's a physical representation of what I imagine the Psalms is describing God to be. Because I saw it in my physical father. I understand God better because I saw how my dad acted like the God of the Psalms. Second story, direction naman. Same, same dad, I still have the same dad. <laughs> high school days pa rin. I was not a good kid in high school. I, our coach would reprimand us for certain violations in the team and I forgot my jersey I think that time and then my team captain, let's not name him, he told me there's extra jerseys in the storage room. Just get it so that we, the coach won't punish us. He makes us run 30 minutes because if someone forgets the jersey. So no one wants to run. So my team captain, Kuni mo jersey doon, may jersey doon. Wala pa si coach. Tige, bantayan ko. Pasok ko doon pagkat dito si coach. Sabi ko, so I got it. I wore it during practice and then I put it back. I was so happy because, yes, wala kami 30 minutes. And then, on the way home in the car ride, my dad picked us up. I was telling my dad, this is what happened. Gabe, galing, galing, galing sa team captain ko. No? Save kami. And my dad was like, he's driving. He's like, he's not talking much. And eventually he told me, son, tomorrow go and confess your sin, your lie to your coach. I was like, I was dumbfounded. Because he knew if I told him Tomorrow, it means 30 minutes plus the lie plus today. Double dead. And my, I think my father understood that. That you escape the first punishment, the second will be worse. And yet he could not stomach in himself to allow his child to be 
to allow his child to just go to a path that is of lying, deception, and wrong. And so this direction of a father is one that does not just act according his preferences. Na gusto ko lang na mabait yung anak ko. It's because he had a standard he was submitting his leadership under. The standard of a righteous God. And if my child is no longer walking in that righteous path, I have the authority, even though I know he will suffer for it, he will suffer consequences, I need to act on behalf of God's authority to direct him in that path. And it hurts. That's why he was silent. He knew I would suffer. And frankly, I really suffered after I confessed. I will not tell you anymore what the coach asked me to do. But it wasn't easy to bear the consequences. And my father did not, you know, he didn't just tell the coach not to punish me. He just told my coach, do what you have to do with him. Sometimes that's what a father does. Protection and direction. And we see this also now that we read Psalm 23. Let me propose as you read 1 to 3, maybe some images are now coming forward. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So now, you read this psalm, there's kind of inflections of Nathan's father coming into your mind. There's paths of righteousness that my father led me to. There's green pastures and still waters in his protection. There's the restoration of the soul of the child. And so, as we ambassador Christ to the world, when they read the Bible, it's suddenly becoming more, wait a minute, I've seen this. My father has been this. My spiritual pastor has been this. My small group leader has shown me these kinds of characteristics. And so we help each other understand God and be reconciled to God because of how we are submitting our lives and our movements and our existence to God's authority. And hopefully, you guys understand this. The task that God has given you is not one that can be conveniently scheduled. It is a pervasive task. It's not something convenient to discipline, to protect. This takes something out of your own routine. You just want to get to school and come back home. But my father had to father in the way home, on the way home. There is something that must go into your mind and exit as a heart and conviction and action. It cannot just be listening, oh, sige, ito nangyari sa school, blah, 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 blah. Nagsinungaling ka, okay, okay, sige, sige, blah, 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 blah. It's not convenient. It will cost you your comfort, your attention, your time, your resources. Even though you're already stressed with work and stressed with your fatherhood responsibilities, it's pervasive. And yet fatherhood is a calling that is not because of yourself, but is given to you by God. So how will you steward this position? Will you just choose convenience or will you choose your calling? I pray the Lord help you. The last S for today, surrender, representing how Christ put confidence in God's plans. Story form, Genesis 22, 1 to 3. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. 
So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and, and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. You remember this story? For those of you who are unfamiliar, Abraham was praying for years and years, a hundred years for a son. He only got it after a hundred years. And after a few years, this is the test that God puts to him. Remember the one son you were praying for a hundred years ago and you just got a few years ago? The only one you ever had, the only one you will ever have, you know that one, your super, super favorite? Give him to me. And God's response tells us of something that he sees as pleasing in his sight as fathers, as representatives, as people he's entrusted with sons. He says, now I know you as a father, you fear God because you have not withheld the one you love, the one you love the most, your very, very heart you gave to me. What does this mean? Fathers must be ready to surrender their own plans for their children if it's not aligned to God's plans. What does this mean? It means sometimes your heart will need to be ripped out because God is asking for it. And sometimes that heart is in the form of your son or your daughter. Do you fear God enough to surrender to him? Do you see him as worthy enough to entrust your most precious child? Lord, sa'yo na to. Mas mahal mo pa to eh. Mas may plano ka pa sa kanya. Mas mabuti yung alam mo at alam mo how to lead him. You know how to best father him. So if you're asking for him, take. He is yours. You know better than I am. This is how God knows that you are ultimately aware of your submission and your sub-authority under the God who is capital F Father over your children. So fathers, will you choose what is comfortable, what is clear to you in your mind, what your child has to be, to do, and to go? Or when God interrupts whatever you had in plan 30 years, anong itsura ng anak mo, pamilya mo, paano kung biglang ganto na yung gusto ni God, hinihingi niya na ganto yung anak mo? Will you surrender? Why do I say this? Because in Asian cultures and in the youth ministry, I've heard of so many parents who, in good intention, with good heart, plan and cement their children's life according to their plans. 
you cannot take art or music because no money there. So many of my, I have this friend, he took art, he's hungry now. I have this friend, he, he, he pursued music, he's now playing in live bands, but he has no money. It's God of good intent. I'm not intending to mock you here. I know your heart is for your children. No father or parent wants to see their children suffer. But then, that also means that we are assuming that we know the best for our children more than God does. Especially when your child is already discerning a call from the Lord and has a personal relationship with the Lord, then it must be more of a discussion and a discernment than a cementing of the parent's iron fist. So there comes a point in your life when the fathers will need to play pastoral roles instead of director roles. Especially if they're adults, if they're grown up, and they have their own discernments, they have their own relationship with God. You need to help your child discern if indeed God is calling him there, instead of telling him, no, God's not calling you there because my friend is now suffering because of that direction. We must not assume to know the best for our children because this is the sign that we are submissive and surrendering to the authority of God. So my examples, John, ah, my son's 40-year-old now. Pastor, can you find him a partner? Meron ba mga single na babae dyan sa church? Baka pwede mo pakilala. 42 na eh. Paano na, eh, senior na ako? No one's gonna take care of him. I remind you that the Father we have in heaven loves your children more than you ever will. Your Father in heaven loves your children more than you ever can. Your father will take care, protect, and direct your children even beyond your life because they belong to him in the first place. So your first and foremost role as parents is to dedicate your child in the father's care. And you cannot do that if you yourself do not know the father. Put him in the father's hands among God's people under God's word living under his obedience. That is the best way to secure a hope and a future for your children. Hopefully this is not true of us. Are our parenting goals more often no more noble than immediate comfort and convenience? Huwag ka lalabas nang hanggang 10 p.m. kasi hindi ako makatulog pag di ka pa na sa bahay. So you're asking him not to go out because you want to sleep. It's not because it's purely for his good. Sorry for using such a crude example, but I want you to think better. Are all my rules only for my own comfort, or is it more for their good than for my comfort? And at times in our lives as parents, we will cross this path where it's so uncomfortable to us, it's Abrahamic to us, and yet God is requiring that of your children. Why do I say this? Because I went through this. 
When I surrendered my life to be a pastor, or before I surrendered my life to be a pastor, I was telling my parents, Pa, Ma, I think God's calling me to be a pastor. I thought they would be super happy. It's like, yeah, diba? Parang, pastor eh. But my parents have been in church for all their lives, and they've seen the difficult path of a pastor. They've seen the unfair criticisms that a pastor can get, the lonely path that it is, the disappointment, the heartbreak, the perseverance required. And when I told them that I have been sensing this call, they expressed apprehension. And I remember we went to Boxu Jeremiah's office in Talayan. The first advice that he gave to my parents was, at this point, the best thing you can do for your child is to pray to God for him. Secondly, pray to God for yourself. That you are not hindering the work of the Lord in your child and that you're able to support the work of the Lord in your child if indeed the Lord is calling him. I'll never forget that. Because it showed me that Boksu was a father who understood what a father's role is. You are under the authority of the Heavenly Father and you're called to support whatever your Heavenly Father has planned for this child, this creature that he has entrusted to you for, what, 20 years, 30 years? In America, 18? And this verse from John the Baptist's mouth I hope this could be true to all the parents. You yourselves bear witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. This is a person who understood how to surrender to God's authority now that he has seen it. It's at work. It's moving. It's progressing. I now step away. My joy is complete because I have prepared the foundation for how God can work in my child's life. And now that he is discerning the directions of the Lord, the Lord is himself, has the bride, I can step back. I must decrease Christ in his life must increase. And so Boxu's advice to pray for me, for my parents to pray for me, is that kind of prayer. You're praying, Lord, sana, you're increasing your direction, your voice, and your clarity in Nathan's life. And help us to make him hear it, listen to it, respond to it which includes that we ourselves have to hear it, listen to it, submit to it, surrender to it, respond to it, so that we can push him in that direction. Christ must increase and we must decrease. So a father with authority is a representative of God's submission. Christ is submission to God. How are we submitting our very own lives, words, emotions, work, stress, relationships, spiritual stuff under the authority of Christ? 
This is what we reproduce. Second, how do we steward? It's not physical presence only, but also a protecting, a directing, a shepherding authority. You're called to lead him in paths of righteousness and to restore his soul in times of distress, temptation, evil, and sin. This requires knowing your child intimately. Third and last, ultimately, you represent how Christ put confidence in God's plans by surrendering the one we love into his care. I pray that this speaks to you. <laughs>